Welcome to Richard Ellis Talks with Richard Ellis. Richard's going to take the next few minutes to share some great words of hope, insight, humor, and relevance. In today's lost and searching world, that's something everyone desperately needs to hear. Speaking of that, we'd love to keep this conversation going with you anytime through our website, richardellistalks.com. In fact, there's so many ways to connect with us from there that you really need to check it out for yourself, richardellistalks.com. But right now, let's go ahead and get things off and running with today's talk. Here's Richard Ellis. The title of today's message is Pure Power. Let me give you a scenario and ask you some questions. And this is my question today. If you take away a building, if you take away the money, if you take away the stuff, if you strip it down, you know, a lot of people say to me, well, I don't need a church. I can worship God out under a tree. And usually it's on a golf course. But anyhow, (laughs) I can worship God anywhere. I say, you know what? I think you're right. So let's do that. Let's imagine that we all get up. We walk out the back door. We have no instruments. We have nothing. And we get under a tree and we sweat a little bit and we sing and we pray. And you know what? We are the church church. And anything that happens is God's doing or it is our doing. And what has been on my brain and in my heart is this. What is there that happens in church that cannot be attributed to anything or anybody but the pure power of God? See, in the early church, they were not sophisticated people. They were not powerful people. They were not government people. They didn't have any authority, anything really they could do. They were nobodies. But out of nowhere, this band of nobodies, a handful of people to begin with, if you go read in Acts, 120 people within a matter of days, it exploded. 5,000 one day got saved. 3,000 a few days later became Christians. I mean, it's just explosion. And God did some powerful things. It cannot be attributed, guys, to anything else but the power of God. And as I think back over my years at church, and whether you grew up at church or you've never been to church, this may be your first time ever in your life, there are too many things about church that are explained away. That if God literally removed himself and the Holy Spirit said, you know what, I'm out of here. Ichabod, I'm gone. I will not show up. If you have enough money and you got enough buildings and you got enough stuff, you can just keep going through the motions. Have you ever been in a church service or setting where you thought, you know, if God showed up or not, they can still do what they do? That is a terrifying thought to me. What I'm after, what I would like to see us do is wherever we meet, however we do it, when you walk out the door, all you can say is, man, God showed up. What an awesome God either we have or if you're an observer, they have. But something happened so incredible that it can only be attributed to the power of God. There are too many things in church and in religion today that can be attributed to something beyond that. Where it's just a machine that cranks it out and people going through motions and there's programs and systems in place. And whether God does it or not, it's going to keep going. Now turn to Acts, if you would, chapter 1. And for some people, Acts chapter 1 is a very, if you've grown up in church and you've done the God thing maybe a long time, you can quote me a lot of scriptures at Acts chapter 1, but I never assume that anybody knows anything. But in the book of Acts, the church is literally born 
this first 120 Christians that you read about, they were literally waiting in a room, and I'm going to tell you why here in a second. Acts chapter 1, Jesus is telling them, let's read verse 4, and being assembled together with them, he commanded them. Now Jesus is with these Christians, these early Christians, before he leaves and ascends into heaven. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait. Don't leave Jerusalem. Now this is Jesus has died, he's been buried, raised from the dead, he's appeared over a 40-day period to about 500 people, it says, in Jerusalem. He shows up in the room that's locked, he shows up, disappears. I mean, it's a freaky deal, and it got their attention. But he's there, he's gone, he's there, he's gone. Then one day he ascends, but before he ascended, the last thing that he said to these Christians was this. Don't leave Jerusalem until something happens. Wait. And there are things that I think we do as churches, as people, that we move too fast. We don't wait on the Holy Spirit to tell us to do it. We just think it's a good idea. Whether it's a God idea, I don't know. And we go. And he said to them, wait. And wait for this. He commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. And if you go back in John, some of the Gospels, where Jesus had told them, and he said here, which he said, you have heard from me, he promised that he would not leave them. If he left, he would send a comforter. He would send the Holy Spirit. And by the way, guys, this Holy Spirit thing, it's not a thing. It's a person. The Holy Spirit, you know, it came into our service. It is not an it. It's a person. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He is a person. And He is the person that in someone's life, when they pray a simple prayer and ask God to come live in them and through them, it is the person of the Holy Spirit. And I'm telling you, I don't understand all I know about this, but the longer I live, the more incredible this gets. That literally, as the Scripture describes, that we, our bodies, are the temple of the Holy Spirit. There was a place in Jerusalem back in this day that was so holy, that was so pure, that was so incredible, where God dwelt, that if you even went in there with sin in your life, you'd drop dead. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, overnight, the veil when Jesus died, the veil of this temple, this holy, holy place, was rent from top to bottom by God. And He says, you know what, I'm not going to live in this place anymore, I'm going to live in people. So this holy God who was living in that place says, I'm going to live in you. And when I pray or you pray and ask this God to come love in you and through, you have the God of the universe living in your body. And everywhere you go, you take him. And everything you do, he does with you. And everything you speak, he's right there with you. Everything you look at. And if you ever think about this, it'll change what you do if you get it. It will change what you do, how you live, how you think. But this God comes to live in them, and He promised that this would happen. Verse 5, For John truly baptized with water. Now please listen close, because church and baptizing and all this stuff can get so screwed up, and people have these confusing ideas about what all this means. But he says here, John baptized with water. John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now, I usually don't read a lot of stuff like this, but I'm going to read you this for the baptism sake and what this means. The word baptize does not always mean like you think somebody getting dunked in the water. Okay, It means to put something into something primarily. And he says, John baptized you with water. He puts you into water, but I'm going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to put you in the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit in you not many days from now. Now, let me read you something, uh, just a bit of history here. This word baptize means to dip repeatedly, to immerse, to submerge. 
to cleanse by dipping or submerging, to wash, to make clean with water, to wash oneself, bathe, or it can mean to overwhelm. Now there is a word baptizo in the New Testament and there is a word bopto. You're like, who cares? I know, just hang with me. Bobto and baptizo are two different words. The word here used, baptizo, is not to be confused with bobto. And the clearest example that shows the meaning of baptizo is a text from the Greek poet and physician Nicander. Now, this is a recipe for making pickles, so listen close. This is a, from Greek writing Nicander, the poet and physician who lived about 200 B.C. This recipe for making pickles is helpful because it uses both words, baptizo and bopto. Nicander says that in order to make a pickle, the vegetable should be first dipped, bopto. You take a pickle and you dip it in water. You put it in, you pull it out. That is bobto, into boiling water, and then it is to be baptizo, baptized in the vinegar solution. Should have had everybody bring a pickle. You take this pickle and you dip it in boiling water and you take it out. Then you take the same pickle and you put it into, not take it out, you put it into and leave it in vinegar. Both verbs concern the immersing of vegetables in a solution, but the first is temporary. The second, the act of baptizing the vegetable, produces a permanent change. When you are baptized into the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is put in you, you're put in the Holy Spirit, guys. It ain't dipping or sipping. It is the real deal, and something dramatic is going to change. Dipping a pickle in boiling water will make it clean. Dipping a pickle in vinegar... I can't stand. But anyhow, I mean, it changes the taste. It changes that pickle forever. And when you are baptized by the Holy Spirit, put in what he says would happen, something would change. Something is going to transform in your life. And I have seen it over and over. Somebody's life literally changed. Anybody can get wet. And I'm not anti being baptized. But if you look at the New Testament, most of the places where this word baptized or used don't have anything to do with being water baptized. Although Jesus commanded to do that after you become a Christian, most of the places it talks about being put into the Holy Spirit. This change, this thing that comes over you where you are transformed permanently. All right, now flip back down there to Acts chapter 1, this verse. John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. You are going to be changed. He's going to come live in you, through you. You will be transformed. It is one thing. Now listen, guys. It is one thing to live with Jesus. And there are so many people who have Jesus all around them, but it is not the same thing to have Jesus around you as it is to have Jesus in you. And you say, well, I sense God all around. You come to church like this and you say, wow, there's something going on. It's like God's here. He's here, but that doesn't mean he's going to get in you unless you let him in you. You have to be put into him. He's got to be put into you for this stuff to work. So he says, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. In other words, when that happens, only God knows that. But, he says, I can't tell you when that's going to happen. That's in the Father's hands. But, here's the deal. You shall receive power. Let me ask you a question. Have you got any power you say, well, I'm a manager at the office. I got a little there. I mean, what kind of power have you got? What kind of power have you got? What happens when you speak? 
What happens when you sit down with somebody and you talk to them about God? Does something happen in their life? Do you have any power beyond religious stuff? When you get hit with temptation and the devil comes along and says, you know what, let's do this again. We've been doing this for 30 years. Let's do this again. Never ends up in a good way, but let's try it again. Let's have some fun. And all of a sudden you look at the temptation and you say, you know what? You've been screwing me around for years, and I don't have to do this anymore. I don't have to live this way, think this way, and I have been given the power. See, I got no power of myself, but I'm going to tell you what. When you become a Christian, you get power, and it's not power to misuse. It is power to win. It is power to live. It is power to look at somebody else and share the gospel with them. There's a verse, if you write this stuff down, in Romans 1.16. Paul said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation to those who believe, to the Jew first and then to the Greek. I'm going to tell you what, guys, the most powerful thing, one of the most powerful things I have ever experienced in my life is when I sit down with someone face to face or standing here like this, and I tell people that Jesus Christ, the God of the universe in a man, lived a perfect life, died on the cross, was buried and raised from the dead so they could live forever. That's power. You say, well, what's powerful about that? The Bible says the gospel, those facts, that that is the power of God and the salvation. And I have seen it happen over hundreds of times, sitting with somebody that they were completely oblivious, and all I had to do was open my mouth and share those words in the power of the Holy Spirit, the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. If that's all you can get out, you can sit in a restaurant, next door neighbor, wherever you are, and see someone go from darkness to life, from death to life, from the power of Satan to the power of God, as the Bible describes it. That's power. Now, why do you never see that power manifest? And this is a little bit of a challenge today, and I'll finish it here in a second where he goes with this. If you've got the Holy Spirit and this thing is working, you are going to see some powerful stuff happen in your life. And you say, well, I've never seen that kind of power manifest. Now, I'm not jumping on you. I'm encouraging you, but track with me for a minute. When is the last time you opened your mouth with another human being and told them that Jesus Christ died for you, was buried, and was raised from the dead, and that he died for them, was buried, and was raised from the dead? When's the last time you said those words to somebody else so they could have what you've got? See, if you're not saying the words, you're not seeing the power, because that's where the power is. Now, here's my challenge. This week, one time, say to yourself, God, I want one shot. I'm not going to say a hundred times, one time. God, I am looking for one open door, one opportunity just to spit those words out and look at somebody and say, you know what? You might not even understand this. You might not know what to make of this, but something has happened in my life and I don't even know how to explain it all the time. But this is what I do know, that God loves me and that Jesus came and died for me and was buried and raised from the dead. And that has changed my life and it can change yours. You can get those words out. And I'm going to tell you what, guys, if you say those words, the power of God is unleashed. He promised that he would, that there is power in that. And we make it about everything else but that. And we try to do all this stuff but that. And there are people, I can only talk to so many people, but this many people talking to everybody you know, if everybody in this room spoke those words to one person, and that one person became a Christian in a week it doubles, why do you think it just went bananas in the early church in Acts? Now let me finish this passage right here. Verse 8, You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. 
And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. When you receive that power, it's because the Holy Spirit has come upon you and something will happen. Now, let me tell you how you know you got the power. Isn't there a song about you got the power or something like that? Anyhow, let me tell you how you know you got the power. You will be a witness. It's that simple. You say, well, I think I'm a Christian. Then where's the power? You get the Holy Spirit and something is unleashed and supernaturally you become a witness. What you find yourself doing unexplainably is talking to people about what God's done in and for you. You say, well, I'm not very good at this. I mean, Richard, you do it easy. Let me tell you something. I don't do it easy. Every time last night talking to somebody about this very deal, the enemy came to me and said, baby, you're back off. You're going you're gonna to upset this person. You're going to offend somebody. There's six other people at the table. Back off. Leave her alone. I get the same attack every stinking time I have this conversation. You have to make up your mind. You're either going to do it or you're not. See, the problem is somebody's life's at stake. That's all. You say, well, I'm going to offend someone. I'm going to be embarrassed. Forget that. If you will weather that storm and spit it out, you will see God use your life to change somebody else's life. The great thing about what happened last night when this person prayed is that I had five other people watching this thing happen. And if I got them up here right now and said, what is that like to see someone become a Christian and be born into the kingdom of God? There is nothing on the planet that sweet. Now, did I save anybody? Can you save anybody? Not a chance. The Holy Spirit comes upon you. You have power to be a witness. Dallas, the suburbs, Texas, the United States, the world. He intended for us to take the planet and he left us with the power to do it. And the devil beats you over the head and say, you don't know what to say. They're going to ask you a question. You know what the best answer to a question you do not know the answer to is? I don't know. And people get completely freaked out. What if they ask me, oh, what do you think about Noah and the ark? I don't know. But I do know this, that Jesus died for me, was buried and raised from the dead. And because of that, I have eternal life and you can too. Yeah, but what about Moses back there when all that weird stuff happened? You know, I don't know about that. I can get back to you on that, but I do know this. That Jesus died for me and he died for you. And he was buried and raised from the dead. And I got that part down. And if you want that part, I can give you that part. And we'll explore the rest together. But that's all I know right now. I'm asking you guys, I'm challenging you one time. Pray a simple prayer in your heart right now and say, God, give me a chance this week with one person to just tell them. Not make them a Christian or make them do anything, but just tell them what you've done for me. That is a witness. Somebody in this room told me a few weeks ago, God didn't call you to be an attorney. He asked you to be a witness. What is a witness? You get on a witness stand and you say what you have seen and what you know. You don't make up stuff. Just tell them what you know. Be a witness of what you have seen and heard. That's what they did. And that's what will happen to you when this happens. You know, it's amazing to me. People that read the Bible and go, well, that was back then. God, don't let that happen now. You know, look when this thing happens. Chapter 2, verse 1, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, this is 50 days after Jesus ascended, they were all with one accord in one place. You know what they were doing? Exactly what Jesus told them to do. For 50 days they waited. They had the message. He had died, been buried, raised from the dead. But Jesus said, wait, don't you move until I do what I said I'd do. You wait. 
And sometimes you think, I can't take it anymore. I'm sick and tired of waiting. If God says wait, you better wait. Because if you try to do this without Him, which I think is what some churches are doing, they try to go in their own power instead of the power of the Holy Spirit and do all this God stuff, you'll land flat on your face. You can take two groups of people that are churches trying exactly the same thing. And if one's got power and the other doesn't, one's going to be stuck in the mud and the other one's going to be moving because of the power of God. This day they're all in one accord waiting. Verse 2, And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat on each of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what He promised. They'd be filled, baptized in the Holy Spirit. They began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. That freaks some people out, guys. This word tongues means dialects. They spoke in languages. These were understandable languages. And you'll see in a minute what the crowd sees and hears when they get outside. Verse 5. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven, came together. They hear this noise and hear all this commotion and were confused. Why? Because everyone heard them speak in his own language. And the word language there is not just language, it is dialect. If they came from China and there's thousands of dialects, these guys heard it in their own particular dialect. That's what a miraculous thing happened. They were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans houses that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? People from all over the world, it goes on to describe. Some said, well, these guys are drunk. No, it's only 9 o'clock in the morning. They're not drunk. Verse 15, they'd really be alcoholics then. Verse 15, for these are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. It goes on to describe what's happened there. It's fulfillment of prophecy. And then Peter gets up and preaches. And you know what happens? 5,000 people become Christians that day. Just like that. The power of God. Now people say to me, well, Richard, you know, you talk about moving up the street and a bigger building. And then after that to another building, you just want to get big. Let me tell you something. Either we're going to reach people or put a go to hell sign out in the yard. It's go to hell month at Reunion Church. We're full. No vacancy. I mean, what are you going to do? Let me tell you what kind of problems you want. When there is power in a church and God is doing what He wants to do and made us to do, we leave here today and you know what happens? We pray, God, give me one opportunity. And you speak to someone. You know what? Their life's changed. And they come back with you. And all of a sudden, it's not about getting big. You just got to make room because lives are being changed. We have people that come and go to another church. I don't care where you go. It's the charter hospital thing. If you don't get help here, get help somewhere. Just get somewhere. But some people are going to land here and we're going to reach more people. But it is not about me or a handful of people here. It's about you, where you work, where you live with your family, your friends. And you say, God, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. Pray for boldness then. You're not going to whack them over the head of the Bible. Just be a witness. Before Richard comes back to wrap things up for us today, I'd like to share a couple important things with you. Let me encourage you to take a minute and check out our website, richardellistalks.com. You'll find today's talk right there in the talks page, along with all of Richard's messages. You can even forward them to a friend so they can hear them too. You'll also find the prayer wall to add your prayer requests, a link to connect with us, the contribute page for you to be able to give to this ministry, a radio station finder, all our social media links, and much more. So check it out, richardellistalks.com. And Richard's back now to wrap up today's talk. Pray and let Him sweep your house. Guys, you cannot have power and have sin in your life at the same time. 
I've never done coke in my life, but if you talk to anybody who's done snorted any cocaine, you give them cocaine and it's mixed with some substance and not pure. They don't want that stuff. They want pure cocaine. They want the hard stuff that'll hit them fast. And what happens is the pure gospel, the pure Christian life, a wholly separated life that God intended for you to live is not a habitual life of sin. It doesn't mean you won't sin, but when you do, you get back up and you say, God, enough of this. And you stay pure. You let him keep you pure, make you pure. You have the power to live a pure life. If you will sweep and clean your own house and let God come in and make you pure, guys, you will be released to do whatever he wants you to do. You'll not have that baggage. You won't feel like a hypocrite talking about one thing and doing another. And I'm going to tell you something. If you ever get the thing connected and let the power flow, it is unbelievable what will happen in your life. I am not interested in being religious. I'm not interested in just going through church motions. I am interested in living and before I die, seeing the power of God move in a way that multitudes of people's lives are changed. Because it is so stinking addictive for me to sit with one person and look in their eyes and see them live that it makes you want as many people as possible to know that and to live. And I pray you have a burden for your own life, but I pray somewhere along the line you get a burden for somebody else beside yourself. And you let God work in you and get out of the way so he can work through you and be a clean vessel. You know, when you go to the hospital and they give you a shot, you want a needle that's been clean and sterilized and sealed. You don't want them handing them from bed to bed. And God comes along and he says, I just need a clean vessel. And he even says, I'll make you clean. And that's when you're usable. It's not about being perfect. It's about being usable and maintaining that relationship and letting God move in you and through you. Pure power, guys. You got to be pure. He makes you pure. And when that power is unleashed, it literally not only changes your life, but it'll change everything and everybody around you. There's no stopping it. You've been listening to Richard Ellis Talks. We really appreciate that you've spent this time with us, but we want to keep the conversation going with you. A couple of ways you can connect with us is by giving us a call anytime at 855-6-RICHARD. That's 855-6-RICHARD. Another way is through our website, richardellistalks.com. You can email us, sign up to get the daily talks sent to your phone each day, write on the prayer wall where we can pray for you, or even stay in touch through our Facebook page at Talk with Richard. We love bringing you the program every day, but it means even more to us when you let us know how the program has helped you. So call 855-6-RICHARD or connect with us at our website, richardellistalks.com. Finally, if you enjoy the program, let us know by your generous support. It would really mean a lot to us. richardellistalks.com. So until next time, have a great day and thank you for listening to Richard Ellis Talks.